This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. The button pushing stops here. Plug the radio in. Welcome to Evidence for Faith. This is the radio show where we help Christians to become thinkers and thinkers become Christians. Hello, I'm Keith Kendricks. And I'm Kirk Hastings. And today's topic was going to be the meaning of life. Kirk and I have been doing a series on the meaning of life and how far can you get on the road to discovering the meaning of life just by using logic and concentrating on the things that you can know for certain, but we're going to take a break from that series today because we're going to be talking about the organization called Ratio Christi. So we'll be getting to that in a minute. Our website is evidenceforfaith.com. That's evidence, the number for faith.com. You can listen to archived shows there, or if you'd like to, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes. And if you'd like to listen during the show live, you can stream it from WIBG.com. That's our flagship station, but Evidence for Faith is heard on four other stations nationwide. You can also listen to us on the iTunes or the TuneIn Radio app. So that's another avenue if you have an iPhone and you want to listen to us there, just search for uh, WIBG on the TuneIn Radio app. Well, Kirk, we have a couple of news items and Uh, Let's see some emails from the email bag, so we'll do that. But to start things off with our quote for the day, I have a quote within a quote. So this is a quote from Nancy Piercy, and it's commented on by Jonathan Morrow. So he says, so this is the part from Nancy Piercy. When Christians are willing to reduce religion to non-cognitive categories, unconnected with questions of truth or evidence, then we have already lost the battle. And then Jonathan Morrow, that's a great quote right there. Jonathan Morrow, who is the head of thinkchristianly.org, which I recommend that you get their emails, and he's an author. Uh, He's also, I believe, a Biola graduate. Uh, He comments on this, and he says, please reread that last sentence. You see, if Christianity does not rise to the level of being true or false, then it has been removed completely from the cognitive realm. If something can't be false, then it can't be true either, and rational investigation or justification fly out the window too. If we, in, a, in the American church, don't get this and teach it to the next generation, then Christians will be increasingly marginalized in the secular culture. But worse still, this unbiblical notion will sap us of our confidence to live as if Christianity were actually true because confidence and knowledge go hand in hand. Wow. So this is a great quote for today because we're going to be meeting some college students from our local Richard Stockton College near Atlantic City. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I could not avoid the news item today, though. Did you see that Richard Dawkins has made the news once again? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes, the famous atheist has admitted that he does not know that God does not exist. Really? So this made it into the Telegraph. Uh, The headline is, Richard Dawkins, I can't be sure God does not exist. So this has been lighting up the blogosphere. All the atheists are (laughs) terribly upset with this. Uh, He is their vanguard. They've been trying for many years to redefine the word agnostic to actually mean you're an atheist. Well, Richard Dawkins, which the Telegraph says he is regarded as the most famous atheist in the world, but this week, Professor Richard Dawkins admitted that he could not be sure that God does not exist. So he has now classified himself as an agnostic and not wow. as an atheist. Is that great? He's gone one step. Now we got to get him another step. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? we got to get him from agnostic to theist. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, we'll keep working on him. We hope that he will listen to our show and maybe that will happen. That'll do it. We have some emails, uh, some I didn't bring today to the studio, one from our professor, uh, philosophy professor from England, who comments on some of the things we talked about with regards to the meaning of life. So let's save that for next week when we get back into that topic. I thought you'd like to hear, Kirk, I think I sent this email to you. It's from a listener by the name of Charles from Fort Worth, Texas, and he says, 
I'm a 70-year-old guy who grew up in the Philadelphia area and who remembers WIBG, Wibbage as it was pronounced, he says, as the rock and roll station that my parents would not allow me to listen to. I also remember listening to Piercy Crawford, George Palmer, Jack Wurtzen, Charles E. Fuller, and Donald Gray Barnhouse on the radio and counted that as a wonderful blessing. I am still a radio junkie. Before going off to Lehigh University as a young man, our family spent many summer vacations in Ocean City, Wildwood, and Cape May. And I recall sitting in Ocean City Baptist Church on occasion and changing in a, Fla- uh, changing in a Flanders Hotel bathhouse. Even, even remember Billy Graham in the 50s at Asbury Park Pavilion, and or was it Ocean Grove, he says. Then he says, it has been... Uh, I have been enjoying your podcast, working through the 2008 to 2009 presently. I have not been a witnessing believer and have recently become challenged to renew my commitment to Jesus Christ and become better equipped to give a reason for the hope that is within me. Your series has given me great impetus. Thank you for your ministry. Skip from Fort Worth, Texas. Wow, that's really nice. Isn't that exciting? Now, does Skip realize that it's the FM version of this station, 94.3, that is now the rock and roll station? He can still listen to his favorite oldies on there. Well, when he hears it on podcast, he'll find out. (laughs) Well, we have on the line with us Rick Shanker, who is president of an organization called Ratio Christi. Rick, welcome to the show. Nice to be on, guys. Rick we want to highlight your organization and you, and we brought in, you're going to meet in a, in a little bit, you're going to meet uh, some students from one of the chapters of Ratio Christi. But if you would, just tell our listeners, what is Ratio Christi? Well, first of all, what does it mean? Uh, it sounds funny. What does yeah, Ratio uh, Christi mean? It does sound mean? funny. As a matter of fact, uh, people sometimes have a hard time figuring it out. They see uh, uh, the word ratio, R-A-T-I-O, and pronounce it ratio like uh, we wouldn't mathematics, I guess, and um, um, and then uh, we're saying it ratio, and those who know Latin really well sometimes say ratio, but uh, ratio Christi, as we pronounce it, uh, means uh, the reason of Christ or the rationality of Christ, and uh, it's uh, it's a ministry uh, that is uh, designed to put apologetics clubs on university campuses, and we're very excited about it. Now, we know what apologetics means, but just for some listeners that may be driving along listening to this AM station, what is apologetics? Well, um, you know, (laughs) I've had a lot of definitions of what uh, apologetics and apologists are, uh, but uh, I think the the nicest definition I have is uh, an apologist is somebody who is a well-trained theologian that helps others overcome obstacles to their faith. Uh, as uh, as I would describe it, an apologist is uh, one who presents the scientific, the uh, philosophical, uh, the historical, and the logical evidence for believing in Jesus Christ. So it doesn't mean that you're sorry you're a Christian, right? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean I apologize. <laughs> yeah, the Just word, kidding. Uh, I think uh, that uh, word uh, in uh, Greek is pronounced... I've heard it pronounced two different ways, but I think the proper way to pronounce it is apologia, and uh, it means defense uh, or reason. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's it's giving a defense or reason for the hope of the Christian faith that we have within us. Similar to that quotation from Nancy Piercy and Jonathan Morrow. So uh, it's the idea that we have to show a reason for being a Christian if you want it to survive. Yeah, and, um, you know, if you think about it, you know, I, I think a lot of people uh, in the Christian churches think that I have faith, and, you know, that's all I need, uh, you know, faith without reason. Uh, I guess uh, technically that would be called fetism, um, where you, you don't believe your faith is based on reason, but in all honesty, uh, if, if uh, people were just to put a little thought into it, uh, all everybody's faith is based on some kind of rationality. Somebody had to give you information that you had to accept and believe, and yes, God did a special work in your heart. But you know, it's, it's a, it's a, I, look, I look at it, uh, I was telling a friend this, you know, who was asking questions, 
uh, about faith and reason. And I said, listen, you have faith that every day you wake up that uh, you know gravity's going to work. You're not one day going to say, uh, geez, I don't think it's going to work today and step off a 30-story building. Uh, and and you, the reason you believe every day you have faith that gravity is going to work is because of the evidence of gravity and, and your longstanding uh, historical information that gravity works, and it works every day, and it works the same way. And, and you know, in a lot of re- ways, faith in Christianity is that way, too. We come to it uh, by an understanding of what, what Jesus Christ did uh, on the cross and, uh, and the value of it and the fact that we needed to be redeemed from the slavery to sin and death. Uh, and, and somebody had to pay that price, either us or, in this case, a Redeemer came along and took the penalty. And we have faith in that. We believe in it, and we believe in it because it happened historically. We believe in it because it makes sense from uh, the, you know, uh, the, what the Bible says from Genesis through Revelation, and um, uh, it, it makes sense to us because of the way the universe works. And so, really, uh, we use reason or rationality to come to our faith all the time. And at least that's my opinion. Rick, can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got involved with Ratio Christi? <laughs> well, that's, uh, I'm not an apologist, so uh, it's, it's kind of a different uh, thing that happened, uh, and, and thanks for asking. Uh, I am actually uh, a politician, or, you know, in AA terms, I'm a recovering politician, I guess. Um, I had uh, been uh, working in uh, nonprofit organizations that uh, dealt in the political atmosphere. I worked uh, for the state government of Pennsylvania. I ran for public office and was in charge of uh, the county government up in northwest Pennsylvania. And um, I decided I wasn't uh, being satisfied uh, with the work that I was doing, and I wanted to get into uh, uh, Christian work that would reach people uh, you know, for eternal purposes. And so after I left public office and looked around for a lot of different opportunities to get into Christian ministry, really didn't find anything. Uh, one day in 2010, I decided that uh, maybe I would uh, get a, ma- a master's degree in apologetics. And uh, uh, I ran into this website at uh, one of the seminaries that I was searching, Southern Evangelical Seminary, and one of the student outreach ministries uh, that was being done by the students there was this little ministry called Ratio Christi. And uh, I went and looked at the link and found out what it was. They were uh, really working at opening up apologetics clubs at at, uh, universities, mostly secular universities. And as soon as I saw it, I, I felt in my spirit that this was a mass movement ready to happen. Actually, you know, that training in politics where you look for trends that can become mass movements kind of kicked in there. And, and uh, you know, I saw that this was a potential mass movement because I believe the church is uh, heading into a new age, the age of the apologists. And so um, I called up uh, the folks at Southern Evangelical Seminary and I said, uh, listen, I saw this website, I saw this little organization. I would like to run that. You don't have to promise me anything, no money, no anything. I, I figure you probably don't have this thing incorporated. You don't have a board of directors. You probably don't have any money. It looks like you have no staff and a little bit of a stagnant uh, uh, website. And they agreed that all that was happening, and, uh, and they had told me they were praying for somebody to come along uh, with my skills and uh, uh, to run the organization. So it took a while, but... Uh, uh, in uh, January of 2011, I got a call uh, from some of the people involved with this, some of the early stakeholders, and they said they decided to uh, let me go ahead and try and turn this into something uh, of its own, its own corporation with its own board, and, and to see where uh, God was going to take it. And within the first year, uh, from February 2011, when we incorporated until now, uh, <laughs> I'm just holding on because it's been a wild whirlwind type of ride. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Evidence for Faith. I'm Keith Kendricks. And I'm Kirk Hastings. And we're speaking with Rick Shanker. Rick is president of an organization called Ratio Christi that puts apologetics clubs in universities and colleges around the United States, and I guess, Rick, around the world now, right? 
yeah, we've opened up uh, an international division, not because we were uh, looking to do so. It's just there's a lot of interest around the world as well. How fast has the growth been that you were talking about? Well, uh, when I took over Rashia Christie, uh, they had uh, 12 chapters uh, on their website. Uh, two of them were kind of um, not really anything happening because of the way uh, they structured uh, those two particular clubs. And uh, we have grown now uh, to uh, over 60, probably 65 chapters. And we've got another, I don't know, 40 to 50 in the pipeline that we're, we're just trying to get to. So uh, obviously there was a lot of pent-up need for this. And, you know, folks like yourself, Keith, who are apologists that, uh, you know, we're looking for opportunities to use your ministry. Um, you know, a, a lot of folks, uh, you know, were reaching out to or getting hold of us and saying, yes, I want to do this. So it's kind of an exciting opportunity. Do you have a goal as to how many colleges and what time frame you're going to reach? Yeah, we, we wanted to try and get about 100 a year, um, and we wanted to start that in the first year. But we, what we found out is uh, um, by July of last year, we were growing so quickly, and there is just two of us trying to manage the organization, uh, myself and a gentleman by the name of Blake Anderson, who lives in uh, the Charlotte area. Uh, we, we actually tried to slow down the growth uh, as of July last year. Um, so uh, we'd still like to hit 100 a year. So by the end of five years, we'd like to have at least 500 chapters at the university level. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, we think even trying to slow it down and the leads that we've got, we're still going to end up with an average of 100 a year uh, after five years. So. Uh, the target right now is uh, uh, 500, and uh, we think that's a fairly reasonable goal with as much interest as we have right now and with a number of the plans that we put in place to help make that happen. Rick, let's talk a little bit about the need for Ratio Christi. Mm-hmm. Um, why not just let the churches do the apologetics job? Well, you know, Keith, that's a great question. Uh, the unfortunate thing is the churches uh, are, most churches are not doing much in the way of apologetics. Um, we, uh, that's one of the reasons why there's so much interest in Russia Christie among apologists is because, uh, you know, apologists with master's degrees in apologetics are not getting hired by the churches. Uh, in fact, they're not getting hired by most Christian organizations. They're getting hired by Federal Express and, um, uh, you know, organ- uh, organizations that sell pacemakers. And, uh, oh, you know, I wonder who that could be. Like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, there wasn't really much interest in apologists, uh, and, I, and I'm not sure why all that is. I guess we could, uh, you know, uh, evaluate that. And, uh, but even at the seminaries that teach apologetics, uh, the white elephant in the room for all the students being trained was, what am I going to do with this when I get done with it? And um, now we've started to give them something, because Rasha Christie not only opens up an opportunity for folks like yourself who have a career that they like and that pays them decently, and uh, yeah, but they are also have training in apologetics that gives them an outlet. We call those folks tent makers. It gives them an outlet to start to work with that information uh, with a group of students on campus. But Ratio Christie has also opened up an opportunity for many of these trained apologists to become part-time and full-time apologists. Uh, we call them missionaries on those university campuses. And, um, you know, so we, we think that the opportunity is huge, and the church isn't doing it. The other college ministries weren't doing it. Uh, and nobody was doing it. So we designed a ministry that focuses entirely on apologetics and servant, being a servant to others. We serve the churches in the areas. We, we encourage our apologists to serve local churches. Uh, we encourage them to serve all the other campus ministries and to focus on apologetics and not be competitive with them. But as people come to know Christ through their efforts to, to uh, encourage students to become part of those other ministries. Rick, there's a lot of concern because of uh, statistics that have been telling us that a lot of Christians leave the, the church when they go away to college. Is that what Ratio Christi is all about? Well, it is partially, um, because really, if you think about it, the most important part of our ministry uh, is to the, the church itself, the body of Christ, the body of believers. And many times, uh, kids are heading away to school, and 
uh, they get in a university and uh, their faith is challenged with, um, uh, you know, either naturalism, you know, uh, or science has all the answers, scientism, or, um, you know, some other form of, uh, uh, you know, uh, worldview. And uh, many times they don't have answers for their Christian faith. So, you know, the, the first and primary goal of an apologist on campus is to work with a group of Christian students to help them strengthen their faith and to help encourage them to reach out into the broader Christian community, other Christians they know on campus, and help them strengthen their faith. The second goal, of course, is to reach out to the broader campus with the reason, the evidence, uh, both the scientific, the philosophical, and the historical evidence uh, of the Christian faith to others and show them how uh, the Christian faith and the Christian worldview holds up uh, uh, intellectually uh, as compared to every other worldview and how much more reasonable uh, it is than any other worldview. I know that was the impetus for me, myself, becoming a Christian when I was in college and heard for the first time that there was actual evidence to support the truth of Christianity. What kind of support have you been getting from the Church uh, as a whole? Um, you know, as a whole, it's been kind of a uh, watch and see. Um, you know, at the local level, you know, as apologists, you know, our members of local churches and reach out to do this stuff, we, we get some mixed um, uh, response from the churches, you know, almost a, um, that's interesting, to, uh, we're excited about this, let's see what happens, to good luck with that sort of type thing. And, um uh, you know, we're, we're a parachurch ministry, uh, so, uh, you know, the church looks at us as they're doing their thing and we're doing ours, and, uh, you know, we, we're not sure how that mixes. But one of the things that we're trying to do, especially with the folks that we hire as, train, uh, as missionaries uh, to be apologists on campuses, as, as they build their, um, their support team and they're able to go on campus full-time, we also ask them, then go to at least one or two local churches and to offer to serve those local churches with apologetics training uh, to their, their youth leadership, to their congregational leadership, and especially to their parents. And um, uh, we, this is also very early on. We don't know how that's working. But in some cases, we have apologists that are really doing a great job for some churches, and the churches are starting to recognize the value of it. But in many cases, that stuff was going on way before Rasha Christie, and, uh, and it took uh, five to seven years for the churches to recognize how much value there was for the church. Great. Well, you know, I'm one of those people who went out and got their master's degree in apologetics and then began looking for a ministry. How am I going to use this knowledge to serve the Lord? So it was very fortuitous uh, that Rosho Christie came along. Of course, I was doing the radio show and have been for the past three years, but this opened up another avenue to get into the university in our local uh, college. So we have now started an official Richard Stockton College, Ratio Christi chapter, and we have a couple of students that we brought along into the studio today to fill up the last half hour of the show, talking with them about their experiences. And so, Rick, um, you can join in. Uh, Kirk and I are going to be questioning them, and you can ask them uh, anything you want. Uh, so let me just uh, introduce first our chapter uh, president, Joe Gonzalez. Joe, go ahead and say hi. Oh, hi, Keith. <laughs> and also our vice president, Jessica Richardson. Jessica, welcome to Evidence for Faith. Thanks, Keith. So, uh, guys, I guess I'd like to let the listeners get a chance to get to know you personally. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about your background. Um, you know, let's start out with you, the fact that you guys are going to Richard Stockton College. So tell us a little bit about your, you know, your major and what you're doing at Richard Stockton College. Where you're from. <laughs> Well, I'm from uh, Lakewood in uh, Central Jersey. I'm a, I'm now a, a junior at Richard Stockton College. I'm a criminal justice major. Um, right now, what I'm doing is also while being president of the uh, Apologetics Club here, I'm also president of the uh, Stockton Debate Team while trying to you know maintain grades and also club involvement. So you're like a a uh, one-armed paper hanger, right? 
I guess you can say that. <laughs> yes. And I just saw something on Facebook. You guys, your debate team went to Princeton, right? Yeah, we uh, faced uh, uh, all Ivy League schools. Actually, my other team faced their first team. Faced was uh, Harvard. So uh, we do we, we go against a lot of Ivy League schools in those tournaments. Great. So you're busy. So then uh, you are going to be a senior next year? Yes, I will. Great. And you're also working at the prosecutor's office? I'm interning at the prosecutor's office, but I do work on campus in uh, student development. And when do you sleep? Um, God <laughs> has given me From the time From 1 to, to 3 a.m.? <laughs> God, God has been grateful and just has been giving me a lot of sleep. Like, uh, I get to, he let me sleep in this morning, sadly enough. I guess when you're young, you can do that, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with some Red Bull. So tell us then a little bit about your spiritual background uh, growing up. How did you become a Christian? Those kinds of things. What what was life like before you became a Christian? Um, I never grew up in the church. My aunt was a religious person, and she used to try to take us to Sunday school. After a while, uh, as we grew up, we weren't we can make our own choice, and we just decided not to go to sun, um, church anymore. My mom, being a believer but not very uh, religious herself, didn't force anything on us. So I, I grew up most of my life without a father in, uh, in a poor neighborhood. Um, so we, we faced a lot of things that you know a lot of poor people would face, like you know uh, crime and issues with drugs and family and so on and so forth, and education levels lacking. So uh, I've been all, always been given disadvantaged target, but I was always okay with that. Um, so when I was 15, I kind of realized this whole thing, this whole, uh, this kind of cards I've been dealt was, was sad and upsetting. So, uh, you know, w- with that conclusion, I said that there can't be a God with all this pain and misery going on, especially all the pain I saw, all the misery I saw at the time. So uh, at 15, I became an atheist. Um, so I, I remained an atheist for about, uh, another five years. Uh, that one summer uh, last year, I actually tried to commit suicide because realizing that uh, there's nothing, no real value within the earth. So uh, that obviously fell and God said it wasn't my time yet. So uh, I continued uh, at my uh, community college I used to go to, which is Ocean County Community College, and uh, continued my education there where, where I met this girl. And she was a Christian, and she was uh, very outgoing, very evangelical about her Christianity. And so she kept speaking the word to me in the gospel, and I thought it was nonsense, but she's cute, so I kept, I kept going on with it. That's <laughs> right. funny, because when I was in my 20s, I grew up with no religious training whatsoever either, because my father was an atheist, and even though my mother, I think, was a believer, we weren't allowed to go to church or anything. And I was introduced to an organization you may have heard of called Campus Crusade for Christ yeah. when I was 24 through, ta-da, a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think God uses pretty women as a, as yeah, a missionary tool. <laughs> definitely. I can testify to that. That's it worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> so well, with this girl, she, uh, she brought me to a church. Which was uh, which is Remedy Church over in Bricktown, and uh, this is a fairly new church. It's only one year old now, and uh, she introduced me to her pastor, who was well, who uh, started discipling after I became a Christian. This man uh, was very smart. He uh, had a rough background himself, and just read books upon books, and just trained himself in apologetics by himself. And uh, so he kept meeting up with me because he had interest in me, and I kept going to the church. And uh, you know, it was a it was nice being there. You, if you felt good just going to the church there, and uh, the, the worship was awesome. You know what what they used to sing about how love was was there and someone was there for you and I never had a father figure in my life so actually being part of a family and having a father figure like the pastor and you know thinking that someone else like you know an omnipotent being would actually love me was just a great idea in itself I, I kept I kept debating that the fact that this couldn't be true this you know I held on to my academic beliefs such as you know uh, evolution had you know made more sense than uh, creationism and then also things like uh, it, it cannot be any absolute truth and all truth is relative what if all these Christians are really you know, not believing the truth, and you know, they, they, like, like happy kids on candy. They're right all now. kidding themselves, right? <laughs> yeah, like a Santa Claus theory, I guess, or spaghetti monster. You know, but it, it was a nice thought, and I used to always say to myself, "I wish I could be this ignorant just to be a Christian for a day, and then I could be this blissfully happy." But I knew it wasn't gonna happen. At least I thought so. So I continued um, with this meeting with the pastor, and um, you know, finding this faith that uh, God was trying to touch upon my heart. And uh, one day, I finally gave up, and this was in May of last year that I finally gave up and I, I called my pastor he met me on campus and we said the sinner's prayer together and uh, now I'm a Christian um, it's been awesome I actually don't have any suicide thoughts I'm really content with my life and I, I want to serve God I have a family that God has just brought me into and a lot of love a lot of anger I used to have uh, it was all dissipated and you know unfairness in life that I saw was something that I said well, this is suffering to help, help me grow and now because of that God's put me in a more advanced place than other people and and through the months, I've just been somehow learning apologetics along the way and been 
like God has been growing me, and a lot of people say a very advanced rate than most Christians, and you know this is what He wanted. And I was very happy with that. So I mean, I'm just a happy person. When I first became a Christian, the first book that I read after reading the New Testament was Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. Mm -hmm. It's like a 500-page book, and I read that book through in like three days. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I really wanted to know, what's the evidence for this? (laughs) So, uh, Joe, any particular argument or evidence that helped you along that road when you were making this transition to be a Christian? I was a strong relativist. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe, you know, the matrix kind of theory that you can't really know truth, so... uh, uh, there's no way you can say that God's real. God's not real. You must just be agnostic at at best. Um, my pastor has went through steps with me of why uh, relativism is not true and absolute truth must be true, and why it's more beneficial to have absolute truth than relativism, relativist like kind of viewpoint. Okay. With that, he, I think that really made a cornerstone. Is if there is absolute truth, that means there is or it's not a God. So you, I think I'd rather have the God theory than not. Right. Right. Great. Well, let's uh, give Jessica a chance to get in there. So we'll share the microphone. We're uh, crowded in the studio today. So, uh, Jessica, if you'll tell us a little bit about your background, your college um, major and things like that, give us the give us the lowdown. The lowdown. Okay. Um, like Joe, which I didn't know, I'm also a criminal justice major. Um, yeah, I know Joe crazy. Um, I'm a senior at Stockton and I guess my walk with God has been a bit of a roller coaster. I grew up in a Catholic home. I did the whole CCD thing and confirmation and all that good stuff, and I hated it. Um, And I got to the point where I made my confirmation, and our teacher made the mistake of telling us that since we made our confirmation, we no longer had to go to church unless we wanted to because we were adults. Um, Not the right thing to tell somebody in middle school because I stopped wanting to go after that. And for me personally, being raised in a Catholic church, there were just so many things that they seemed to flip-flop on and this and that, and I was like, these people don't have any consistency, so they must all be crazy, so therefore the Bible isn't real, God isn't real, there's so much bad stuff that happens out there, how could there be a God? And I became an atheist. And I had three aunts that lived down in Florida who are born-again Christians, which I never understood what that meant when I was younger. I thought that just meant they were part of some weird cult, and they did a lot of singing and dancing at their church, which was not something I was used to, and I thought they were all basically brainwashed, and I felt bad for them. I really did. I felt like they were ignorant and stupid, and I made fun of them a lot. And then I had the opportunity to meet someone who was a pastor's son, and as seems to be the trend around here, um, God uses members of the opposite sex to bring us around. Um, it so works. It does. Isn't it the craziest thing? He gets you in the door that way, and then once <laughs> he he's got you, he's got you. I missed out on this trend. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point in time, I was an atheist, and here was a Baptist, which was completely just the exact opposite of everything I had known growing up and everything I believed. And my family was still a Catholic family, so he came in telling me about all these things and challenging the Bible and challenging what I had been raised with. And even though I wasn't a Catholic, I felt the need to defend Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And that made me actually go to Barnes & Nobles and buy a Bible, which was the craziest thing, and I couldn't believe I was doing it. And I actually started reading the Bible. Uh And once I started doing that, there seemed to be a lot of good information in there that I just um, had gone my whole life thinking wasn't real, I guess. Just out of curiosity, what kind of Bible did you get? Like a modern language one that was easy to read? Or? I um, I actually bought the Catholic Answer Bible, which was <laughs> – don't laugh, Joe. Um, it was an NASB translation, okay. and it had these little tear-out sections throughout it where they had Catholicism questions with Catholicism answers. Okay. And that kind of – I'm not trying to you know be mean towards any denominations here – but um, that kind of made me realize that if I was going to be a Christian, I was not going to be a Catholic because it didn't make any sense to me personally. Um, and then I became a Christian and I was in love with God and everything was great and you know, I felt a calling on my life and this is what I'm going to do with my life and this is the career I'm going to have and I'm going to marry this guy and life's perfect. And I was on a Christian high. I was high on Jesus, I guess. And then there hit a point in time where my relationship with this guy ended, so I was angry at God. And then a couple of months later, I got in a really bad car accident and was unable to pursue my original major. And I felt like 
I went my whole life not believing in this God really, and now here's this God who I loved and worshipped and everything else, and he just basically turned his back on me. Yeah, why do you do all this to me? Exactly. And um, so I completely just turned against God and did not, you know, I figured it's better to just not believe in a God than it is to believe in a God that would do all these awful things to me. So for the next, I guess, four years, five, four years, I guess, I went ahead with thinking that I guess I'll call myself a Christian, but I don't really believe it. I know like deep down in my heart, it's kind of there, but no one has these answers for me and praying isn't working. So I'm just, I'm just as bad as all those other ignorant Christians they used to make fun of. Right. Um, and then- Well, that la- must have made you feel really good about yourself. I know, it was kind <laughs> of, it was very upsetting because I felt like a hypocrite. Um, and then last spring, I actually took a class at Stockton on spirituality and aging. And I had the opportunity to um, learn about a lot of other religions and a lot of other different walks of spirituality. It made me start to question even more God of, you know, I guess maybe there is a God, but maybe all roads lead to God, sort of relativist thinking. And then I was like, hmm, I believe in God, but who's to say that this God is the right God, so maybe I should start investigating this. And I basically, like Lee Strobel, went out to prove Christianity wrong to, you know, make sure I wasn't believing in the wrong God. And I met somebody, a boy again, who was an apologist. He's working on his um, ministry. Listeners, do you see a pattern here? (laughs) He was working on his ministry. If you're wondering about Christianity, go out and get yourself a girlfriend or a boyfriend. (laughs) It works, oddly enough. Um, Although I'm pretty sure that's not what the Bible teaches us. But... Um, he was working on his degree in apologetics, which I had never heard of, and thought was it was a degree in apologizing to people. And I thought that was the <laughs> stupidest thing ever. And I stumbled across Biola University and their certificate in apologetics program, which I signed up for, because I figured if I'm going to be able to prove this wrong, i got to be able to do it the right way. So I ordered all their information, started taking their classes, and realized that there was a lot of good points that were proven in there. So my head followed my heart, and I became a real Christian. Wow. <laughs> Wonderful. Cool. Kind of long. <laughs> any, any particular uh, evidence or particular argumentation that was Or any particular book? Um, I guess for me, I know, I know a lot of people like to start with, is there a God or isn't there a God, and then work their way up from there. I kind of go from, is the Bible legitimate and is it reliable, and then work my way down, because if right. it's not real, then it doesn't matter if Jesus right. existed or not, because it's not real. So I worked with that, and I read um, you know, Gary Habermas, the historical Jesus, things like that. And I went from, well, this book's reliable, this is true, there's historical evidence that this guy existed, there's historical evidence that he resurrected, he wasn't in the tomb, this and that. And that was, you know, what changed it for me. Because, you know, these people wouldn't just go around dying for this man that they knew was lying. Right. It seemed kind of insane. Right. And Lee Strobel's good, too. I love his he books. He is. He really is. You know, He's got a couple of videos out, too, based on his books that are really good. Yeah. He was very persuasive. Yep. <laughs> Rick, if you're still there, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to, since these are two of the uh, young lives that your ministry is reaching out to and making a difference. Yeah, I was listening closely to the testimony. It's wonderful. Uh, Joe and Jessica, I have one favor to ask you, and uh, that is Keith needs some help, too. (laughs) And I was uh, just looking at the Ratio Christie webpage and uh, the Richard Stockton chapter pages, and um, uh, those, we set these up for each chapter uh, to have uh, information about the chapter, chapter blogs. Uh, we've got a section there where you can fill out uh, what's called the Stockton team or chapter leadership. Uh, we've got um, uh, places for listing events uh, that you guys are doing. Uh, you've already got at least the uh, meeting locations, Tuesday, you got Tuesday 5 to 6 in room F. Uh, 118, but there's a lot of stuff on that page that uh, chapter uh, leaders can work with Keith on and get that uh, filled out. And um, just think about this. If uh, currently there's about 130 active blogs in the, uh, in the world that are written in English on apologetics, any kind of significant stuff from William Lane Craig's blog all the way down to, you know, somebody just making some comments uh, here and there. And if Ratio Christie ended up with 150 chapters and there were blogs going on there from Keith and from uh, the chapter leadership and uh, information and and events on apologetics, all under this one banner of Ratio Christie, we would have the largest apologetic site in the world 
um, with all, with most of the information, and we would probably get hit by more people, and more people that are in you know that area would be finding the chapter at Richard Stockton. And who knows? It might be you know somebody who graduated from there who was thinking about giving a lot of money to college, the college there, and all of a sudden said, "Geez, why don't I give some to this chapter so they can have some events?" So, just want to encourage you folks to to keep at this and and uh, to help keep uh, with uh, some of the chapter pages, the Facebook pages, the Twitter pages, etc. Yeah, definitely do that because I am not the most computer savvy guy around, and I was it was I needed help just to put up the meeting information. So, so uh, I definitely need that. So you guys can blog and do all that will be great. So let me ask uh, either of you, or you both can can talk. What do you think? Give me your opinion. Why is Ratio Christi needed at Stockton and at other colleges? Um, well, actually, oddly enough, over the summer when I was going through this whole apologetics adventure, I discovered the website for Ratio Christi and immediately emailed them and asked about setting up a chapter at Stockton and was told that they didn't really have any information about anybody else that wants to start it and I needed to get in touch with an apologist in the area, which at that point in time I knew none. And then a few weeks later, I got an email back saying that there was this man named Keith Kendricks that I should get in touch with. And I was so excited because I think that at college, that is one of the most important times that you need to reach out and you know show people out there, Christians or not, that there is evidence for this faith, and it's not just you know ignorance and blind faith as we've talked about in our group meetings. But you know just because you're sitting in class and your professors are telling you that Christianity is for stupid people, which I've honestly have had told to me in class that if you're a Christian, you're just uneducated. Um, I think it's important for kids to be able to hear, or, you know, adults to be able to hear that there is reasons behind this faith, and it's not just. You know, you come to college and you learn that Christianity is completely false. You know, we need to have that out there to show them that there is proof for the faith that they were either raised in or know nothing about. So for the parents who are listening, who are maybe have younger kids or kids about to go into college, uh, we need to let them know that that really is going on. You is, Would you say that there is a hostile uh, atmosphere oh, in college? Oh, completely, completely. I, I'm, I'm not even like a biology major or anything like that. I'm just, you know, criminal justice where people don't usually talk about religion or science or anything like that. But in some of my research classes and things of that nature, we've been told that um, you know, cognitive dissidence and, and things of that nature that Christianity is just a farce. And if you've reached this age in your life and you still believe in it, then, you know, go talk to the professor after class and they'll explain to you why they're wrong. Right. Yeah, so. I, I've seen the same thing, very hostility, but not even on the uh, academic level, also on the uh, personal level. You're coming across a lot of like, college kids who are trying to live the college lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And when you tell them, hey, I don't think this is cool, man, and you tell them why, they're like, well, that's pretty dumb, man. You know, And they'll tell you that you're homophobic just for believing the Bible. They'll tell you that you're an idiot for believing the Bible. They'll argue with you for days and try to use the Bible against you, saying that the, you know, your God is the one of the rape and genocide, and I don't know how you mm-hmm. can believe in that. And if you don't know your own Bible and how to defend it, you, you will definitely be put in the corner where people will just insult you and you will question your own beliefs because of it. I took two philosophy classes where Christianity was based of it. And you wouldn't believe how many atheist people are there or agnostic people are in the oh, classroom. philosophy in college mm-hmm. today must be murder for a Christian. <laughs> it's insane, especially when it's all all Christian-based. I mean, I took a one where it was all apologetics and defending the faith. And these kids are just, you know, they, t- they tell you a hundred reasons why there isn't God, but you give them one reason, they get a little upset. They get very <laughs> upset. And these classroom discussions get very heated for no reason, honestly, I see it as. But it's very, there's a lot of hostility for uh, Christian kids and college kids today. Yeah, I think that's a big change that a lot of parents don't realize. I know, you know, I'm in my 50s, and when I went to college, it was rare to run into a professor who was openly antagonistic towards Christianity. I did run into a few of them, but it's still the the environment was still very supportive, and that's actually been a sea change, so parents need to know that. What about churches? What do you guys, what's your opinion, what can churches do to help young people so that these statistics don't keep going, that 60-70% of those who claim to be Christians, after they go to college, they uh, wind up saying that they're not Christians anymore. Well, I haven't been a Christian too long. I'm not involved in a lot of churches, but I've heard a lot of stories. Um, but the demographics for churches uh, around my age is around 30 and up. So you won't see a lot of people my, my at churches. Even my own church, the only I was probably one of the youngest members there that was over the age of 18, and probably had only three or four friends that were around the same age. 
over like a church of 100 people. And it's, it's very rare to have, you know, people my age uh, just in the church. And there's a reason for that. And they, that's the reason because they go exploring and they explore academics and they don't see Christianity as a academical thing. It's something that is more for, for children or for you know, older people, you know, not for them. So um, they just tend, tend to step away a lot. And then you ask, you know, is there an apologetics club or something where I can ask these questions? And some, most of the time, there's nothing there. And I've seen a lot of people mm. that say to me, you know, when uh, I asked the pastor about, you know, a really serious question about, about the Christianity, he said, you just, just have faith, you know, <laughs> got to take care of it. And, and that's not the answer I think we should be giving kids because when they go off to college, they'll give the same answer. I just have faith, you know, God will take care of it. And that's that's not the right answer. I think if we start training kids in high school, you know, that's when you first get start getting challenged. And, and we're well into, like, college years, and they'll be prepared, and they'll be, well, it was a quote from William Lane Quick, you won't be uh, equipping your kids with uh, paper, plastic, swords, and shields, but actually with, you know, swords made out of steel and shields that made out of steel. Mm. Mm. So, so do you think that apologetics has made a difference in how bold you feel about uh, sharing your faith or being open and willing to talk about it? Personally, for me, without a doubt, yeah, I have a lot of friends that aren't Christians and they would come at me with all these crazy questions that I never had an answer for. And I was like, wow, maybe they're right. Maybe Christianity is wrong because I don't know how to answer them. But now with learning about apologetics and learning that there is reliable evidence, I can turn around and say, you know, like, well, have you thought about this? Or did you know this about the Bible? Did you know this about the accuracy of the Bible and that it's more reliable than, you know, the book by Homer and things of that nature? And it it starts um, a good dialogue there because they're no longer just on the offense. Now they have to start thinking about Christianity as more than just what they've heard from, you know, Richard Dawkins or the media. Mm -hmm. Right. And do you find that a lot of students uh, are familiar with books by guys like Richard Dawkins? No. No, they're not. I would say yes. no. I met kid, I met a lot of people that haven't read the Bible. I have met kids that know no arguments against God, and it just gives you the plain kind of similar theories. Well, look at the Catholic Church. They let people, they let even less kids in the Catholic Church, something like that. And so I shouldn't believe in God because look at the Catholic Church. I, I've met people that really on face value just looks at it, doesn't really dig into it, and just says, I don't want to believe in it. Right. And others that are a little more prepared, you'd say? I, I mean, personally, I know one of my roommates took a class where Richard Dawkins' books were assigned as part of their reading oh, to wow. prove that God was not real. Wow. And that just, honestly, that blew my mind that I go to a college where they so openly just assign books that what was go her against major? someone's religion. Yeah, what class was It was that? one of those, like, extra classes, like, oh, okay. a gen ed class. And I read right. the book myself, and I could not believe how just wrong the information was that was in the book and that it was being, you know, presented to 24, 30 people. Well, I can recommend a good book. Uh, you're in the criminal justice system. A good mm -hmm. book written by a legal scholar. His name is Philip Johnson. He wrote yes. Darwin on Trial. He's brilliant. Um, He's brilliant, man. I had a lot of questions. I was a Christian for years, and I still had questions about how do I reconcile this evolution and creation stuff. The scientists are saying that, you know, evolution is true. How do I reconcile that with the Bible? And I read Darwin on Trial, and that straightened the whole issue out for me. It really turned around my thinking on that. Uh, Rick, you're still there. I'd like to, I guess we have an announcement to make about, uh, for for our longtime listeners of Evidence for Faith, about Evidence for Faith joining forces with Ratio Christi. Yes, this is a, a very exciting uh, opportunity for all of us. Uh, it's, you know, uh, the folks in New Jersey, yourself, uh, Evidence for Faith listeners, uh, we're going to join together with uh, Keith and uh, Evidence for Faith, and uh, we're going to, uh, you know, start a relationship uh, to uh, bring uh, Evidence for Faith and Ratio Christi together to um, start uh, bringing on some um, apologists from around the country, some folks that do what Keith does uh, and have started chapters at the university. We have some excellent, uh, really amazingly excellent apologists at uh, uh, schools like Ohio State University, Texas A&M. we got some really great science uh, science apologist at uh, schools like uh, North Carolina State. Uh, we got one PhD who's a professor at um, uh, NC State. Uh, that uh, his major is, um, you know, some some kind of biology field. And uh, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to try and get some of these folks to work together with Keith and start to produce some shows with some uh, excellent content from these folks. 
And then, of course, we're going to use the Ratio Christi connections to, uh, uh, you know, help uh, bring on other speakers uh, as um, uh, as uh, Keith uh, suggests. And uh, we'll just try and work together on this show uh, to make it a great show and look for ways to expand it. Um, one of the things we can do, uh, Joe and Jessica, you can probably help with this, is uh, find a way to put the podcast on the Richard Stockton blog page so that uh, those are available off of the Ratio Christie site to folks all over the country. And then uh, we're going to list uh, Evidence for Faith as one of the ministries under Ratio Christie and, uh, you know, give people an opportunity to support it. So, Rick, we've got uh, thousands of listeners that will be listening, that listen live and also listen by podcast. So some of those are going to be interested in Ratio Christie and want to know how they can help. So give us all that information. How can people help Ratio Christie? Well, there's a number of different ways, depending on uh, what they are. Of course, Ratio Christi uh, is a very new ministry in terms of being a, a, an independent organization, and so we are just building our financial base. And so if people can help in that way, especially if they can help us monthly, $5 a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, $2,000 a month for some people, that would be great uh, to help us uh, be able to pay our, uh, at least two employees. We've got to add more people because we can't keep up with the growth. Um, and then uh, uh, then we need apologists. I mean, if apologists are listening to this and want to get involved, like Keith did and like some of these other folks have, whether they have a career or they're looking for a career in apologetics, get a hold of us. Go to the ratiochristi.org website. And, um, and by the way, that's R-A-T-I-O-C-H-R-A-S-T-I dot org. And, uh, and look through, uh, for instance, the Partners tab and uh, get a hold of us and tell us your interest. And, um, and then, you know, uh, other folks, uh, reach out. You know, uh, if, if you've got some training in apologetics, there's, there's something going on at the college near you, like at Richard Stockson, you know, give, uh, get in touch with Keith. Let him know and uh, say, hey, how can I help? Um, there's tons of ways to get involved. Just get, get a hold of us, sign up for our newsletter, uh, pay attention to our blogs, uh, uh, like us on Facebook, see what's going on, and then tell us, you know, how you can help. If you're a pastor of a local church, uh, you know, we'd like to get our local apologists in touch with you and, and uh, let the, uh, you know about what's going on at a particular college, and, and maybe there's a way for you to work together. Lots, lots of opportunities. We can be creative in this thing. Wonderful, Rick. Well, I'm looking forward to working more closely with Rosio Christie through this radio ministry. So, I, Rick, uh, Rick Shanker, I want to thank you for being on today and telling us about Rosio Christie, Joe Gonzalez, and Jessica Richardson from Stockton College. I want to thank you guys for being here today. You've been listening to Evidence for Faith. I'm Keith Kendricks. And I'm Kirk Hastings. And please send your comments or questions with the call letters of the station that you listen to us to email at evidenceforfaith.com. Join us again next week. We're going to be picking up more truth about the meaning of life. And always remember that the best reason for being a Christian is because it's true.